All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 168 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside uh, Frank Saravalli. Uh, today we'll uh, we'll talk a little, uh, we'll call it maybe the disappointment pod. Some uh, teams one month into the uh, NHL season. That's of course when San Jose and Nashville started the season. And uh, some teams that I think a lot of us thought would be better or started better and have uh, really hit the ditch. So we'll get into that. But uh, first, Frank, our uh, our condolences as the uh, the Phillies are now on the brink uh, of elimination and uh, they're going to have to win two on the road. It was uh, electrifying the, the last few days in Philadelphia. Take me quickly through the emotions of game five, you sitting in the crowd. Uh, it's fitting that today is the all disappointment pod because it's kind of how today feels in general. Um, just feels like the magic has run out a little bit on the Phillies and the atmosphere, as you said, was absolutely electric first inning home run after giving up a run tied for most of the game. And you're thinking, okay, Verlander is going to find a way to be winless in the world series for his career, which is incredible. And then so many opportunities, you know, you're kind of like, there's this sick feeling. I think, you know, in the beginning, 27 outs sounds like a lot, like a lot of wiggle room. 
And then as you're, you know, you're getting down to the final outs, knowing that that's how many chances you have to come back. They start to dwindle in a hurry. And I don't know to see that, that ball that was hit by JT real Muto in the ninth. I mean, hits off of his glove hits off of the wall. JT real Muto's he's scoring on an inside the park home run to tie the game in the ninth. Like that's how close it was. And the guy making the catch is from Philly and grew up going to Philly's games in the 2008 world series. The last time I was there, that was just a crazy night and feels like a little bit of the shine is off. The magic is gone. Oh, well, hopefully the Philly players don't feel that way. Cause now they got to go into Houston and at least just, you know, push it to seven, make it entertaining. I love game seven in any sport. So uh, hopefully it'll happen. It was quite the run though. Um, but I find in a lot of sports, Frank, the, it's really hard for the, I like to call them the Cinderella team to finish, right? Like it's just challenging. We've seen so many, you go back in the NHL of years of teams that seven seeds and eight seeds that get to the final. And then it's just that hard to win. Some have done it. Like we had the blues in 2019 that did it from basically dead last in the league in January, all the way through. Yeah, it's hard to do. We're on a run of like epic proportions, and and still that's what the Phillies are on, though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but they were the lowest seed going into the playoffs in 19. The Blues, right? They were not the lowest, no. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's uh, I I, I'd love to see it, man. But Phillies being a fun team to watch. Plus, I just I'm not really an Astros fan, so I would love to see them lose the World Series three in four years, and it could still happen. It's not over. It's not over till the fat lady sings, Frank. I think that's the uh, the saying, so we'll see. Now, it's not over for some NHL teams, but whew, it has not started uh, the way some wanted. I guess when we, when we look at disappointments, man, the St. Louis Blues have to be at the top. They started 3-0. and Now they've lost six consecutive games. Um, you know, Doug Armstrong, who's usually a very patient guy, is like, hey, they were just not good enough. Like, what do you make of the Blues? Like, they, they didn't lose a lot of players. They, they should be better than this. You know, it's funny. Matt Larkin was saying before the season started, and we talked about it on Daily Faceoff Live at some point, about the Blues. And I was saying, I, I think they're a surefire playoff team. And because of those reasons that you mentioned, you know, didn't lose a lot of players, Mostly the same team that's had a lot of success. Thomas and Cairo would would continue to you know get to the next level of their games. And now to this point, I mean, losing Billy Huso I think looms pretty large for a team that's having to rely on Jordan Bennington. And I know that Doug Armstrong came out earlier this week and in an array of different comments seemed to absolve Bennington saying that how many of the goals scored to this point have been backdoor tap-ins. But the thing is, I just, you know, at the end of the day, the numbers don't lie. And Bennington's not anywhere near good enough. And I think we've seen over a pretty large sample size recently that Bennington hasn't been near good enough. No. Well, you, you look at, you know, some of their top players, though. They're just getting crushed at five-on-five, Frank. That's really their problem. Like Jordan Cairo has been outscored 14 to three, five on five. Pareko, 10 to three. Uh, Tori Krug, 11 six. Justin Falk, 13 to eight. It's when guys who are your biggest minute eaters are on the ice that much and they're, and they're getting pounded five on five, it's tough to win. 
Ryan O'Reilly, one point in nine games and has been on the ice for a ton of goals against for one of the guys that's, you know, a perennial Selkie candidate. Yeah. Yeah. It's that to me is kind of the surprising part for the blues. Like, you know, the only guys that are even above 50% are Barbashev, Buchnevich, who's only played four games and obviously they miss him. And uh, Nico Mikola, that's it. And, and he's only, you know, he's played 104 minutes, which puts him about, I think, 10th or 11th on the blues and in, in five on five time on ice. So when all your, your regular top 10 guys are all minus five on five for a team that's kind of prides itself on being a good defensive team, Frank, it's rather stunning to me. So maybe it's time for me to eat my words. It's pretty early, but I had said in my bold predictions that one of my stone cold mortal locks of the year was the blues over 95 points. Not saying they, you know, they have plenty of time to make it up, obviously. But I was saying heading into the year, they had 109 points last year. How on earth is the same roster going to have a 15-point drop-off to be under? Well, Well, I guess Vegas knew something that we didn't. Yeah, like maybe they're just in a funk like Vancouver was, right? Like they've played two fewer games than teams. Like I do wonder if the lack of They games started played, so late. Right? The lack of games played maybe has caught up with them. But, uh, you know, they you win two in a row in that division and all of a sudden they're five and six and then they're one point back of fourth place Minnesota. So it's not terrible for the Blues, but I just think it's a disappointing start, uh, especially when you went three and oh, then to just completely 180 it backwards into the ditch <laughs> smashing your windshield and the blues are, are not looking good uh, at all. Um, another team that's basically in the same boat as them is the Pittsburgh Penguins. They went 4-0-1 and since then are 0-5-1. And, and now I will say, by the way, Zucker, that was fantastic. Uh, I love that uh, salute to Yarmir Jaeger and uh, Double J's uh, response on Twitter. But, you know, the Pittsburgh Double Penguins, J. Frank, an, another team that early on both of us Geez, I really like the Penguins. Man, they're looking good. Tristan Jari's playing great. And and not the Jari's being the problem, but all of a sudden the Penguins just look like they're they just look discombobulated. Yeah, I did not have the Penguins behind the Montreal Canadiens at this point in the season. I did not. That did not see that coming, especially after that 4-0-1 start. Yeah. And here's the question we asked Rob Rossi on our show the other day, because we had him on to talk pens. And I hate to be doomsday guy and, and think about that, but what if the Penguins are no good this year? I mean, Mike Sullivan's not going anywhere. We know that. He just signed a massive extension yeah. in the summer. They can't really trade anyone. They're all locked up long-term, and they're, this is it. Like, wh- where are you going to turn? Where are you going to go? Who are you going to move out? Oh, big trouble. Big trouble if the Pittsburgh Penguins don't make the playoffs this year. Yeah, like, I mean, Jason Zucker, I guess, is the one guy, right? He's a potential UFA. I don't think they'd want to trade um, Dumoulin, right? Because if you know, like, Kasperi, Capita, I mean, like, you're you're moving around the deck chairs because the, the core is still the core. Mm-hmm. That's well, the problem. They're, it's never changing. Yeah, what about the fact that Dumoulin and Jari are UFAs in Pittsburgh? They have a well, tough year. They, right? How are they going to resign those guys? They got to get to work on Jari because who else is going to play goalie next year? Uh, and Brian, Where are you going to get a, a player, a starter of that caliber? 
And Brian Dumoulin, man, to me, is one of the more underrated defense. He's just a really good defenseman. He yeah, he's really good. struggled this year, though. Yeah, he has. But you know that, that happens from year to year to players and every now and then, right? Guys will, well, Jeff Petrie, right? Petrie, a lot of people in Montreal was like, what happened to Petrie? And then he goes to Pittsburgh and he looks a lot better. He looks really slow, Brian Dumoulin. Dumoulin, yeah. Yeah. And Chris Letang has really struggled to start. Yeah. When guys suddenly look slow, Frank, I'll, and we find out later for some, you know, that they're playing with some nagging injury. I always wonder, you know, why a guy, hey, you know what, guy's playing banged up. You don't have to say even say what the injury is, but sometimes you can see players there. They're good enough to play. They're not good. En- they're not healthy enough to play well. Happens often. Right? Like you'd be better off to just rest the guy, get him, get him completely healthy. Yeah, I don't have any indication that's the case. No. So. Okay. But, be, well, but would you half the time they never talk about it, right? You find out at the end, oh, yeah, this guy was playing with this all year, and you're just like, what? Well, you can't, that, can't do that. Yeah. So, but, yeah, the Penguins, like, I still think they got, a, they got enough good players, similar like the St. Louis Blues, right? And it's, it's not like, like St. Louis has Buchnevich out. But, you know, it's not like the Vegas Golden Knights of last year when they're, you know, you could at least, oh, geez, they're ravaged by injuries. Okay, I can kind of understand why, mm-hmm. why suddenly they're, they're struggling mightily, right? But, like, you look at Pittsburgh, hey, if we're going to call a spade a spade here, uh, 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 Frank. First, Did you almost just call me spec? Yeah. First five games, Sidney Crosby had 10 points. In the last seven games, he has two. Yeah, uh, he's really struggled. I don't, like, I cannot understand for the life of me how he started so hot and then it's like he went out west and the wheels fell off and that's the whole team Mm -hmm. yeah like that's that to me is maybe the biggest shock is you know how quiet on the score sheet crosby's been during this this drought for the penguins Mm -hmm. a couple teams i know we we said this would be the all disappointment pod but a couple of teams under the radar are just kind of motoring right along yeah, we'll get to those at the end because we always like to be positive at the end. But who else do you have, Frank, on your disappointment list? Um, it's funny because Calgary's start was so good too. Like, I, I don't see any major red flags, but God, that team needs a road game too. Yeah. Like, oh, they've been they, they haven't they haven't left the province. Their the road game was in Edmonton. Right. right. And now like they, they got to get out of there. They got to go on a trip. Yeah. Well, cause yeah, they lost three in a row at home. Like I, I know it. Some people say, Oh no, home cooking, you should crush it. But early in the year, basically you're, you're home for an entire month. It's, it's just not something that players get comfortable with. They like going on the road, you hang out, you have team dinners and meals and everything like that. And the players like it now. They don't like it all the time either, but it is a, it's a weird scheduling quirk. And, and usually, you know, the, the road games are a little bit harder than home games. If you look at historically in the NHL, win percentage, points percentage, everything. So, you know, going on the road can be good, but it's also going to be challenging because, you know, you, you, you don't have the advantages that you have at home. I think it's been really interesting to watch. Obviously, there's always an adjustment period, especially when you've been in one place for so long. But Jonathan Huberto and sort of, it's almost like you can see Daryl Sutter's patience wearing thin a little bit. Like he, he had a couple of needling comments in the last week after being generally pretty positive. You know, he started off the year saying, I, I got to find out, you know, 
where he fits. Is he a Lindholm guy? Like, is he a Kadri guy? Like, who's he going to play with, right? Yeah. And it hasn't really been seamless. He's switched him up and, and played him with both centers. And then he had that line over the weekend, like, where what happened to Jonathan Huberto? Why wasn't he on the bench? And he had to go take a shit, Sutter said. I mean, I, I don't think that was accurate. Um, in fact, I know it wasn't. So why say that? And second, then after the, you know, later in the week, a couple of days later, he said something like, Jonathan's got to be a lot quicker. And I don't know if it was quicker to adjust or quicker on the ice or whatever it is. And I'm like, if you've watched Jonathan Huberto pretty closely, he's never really been a fleet of foot fast guy. That's not his game. So if that's what you're looking for, your expectations need to be readjusted. So I'm just thinking, yes, Daryl Sutter got an extension and yes, he's a quality coach, but why start to needle in in the first month of the season, a guy who's on an eight year, $84 million extension that didn't even kick in yet. Doesn't seem like a fight you can win. That's fair. Um, Yeah. I think the expectations are high in, uh, in Calgary. You look at, and, and I think, like the odds of that top line, even if they had stayed together, repeating what they did last year, all three players having 40 goals, I think was going to be unrealistic. They, they really relied on that line, and, and that line carried them offensively. And you look now, like Nazem Kadri's off to a good start, right? He's a point-of-game player. Tyler uh, Toffoli, you know, four goals, seven assists. You'll take that. But, you know, then you're, you got Brett Ritchie, or good for him. But Brett Ritchie's outscoring Lindholm and Huberdo and Backlund and Mangiapane and Dubé. And, you know, so that's good for Ritchie, but I think it's bad for your team overall. Who was it, John Tortorella, that said that in Vancouver a number of years back? I forget which player it was, but he said, good for him, bad for us. <laughs> and it was like, it was honest. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that's the point with Calgary. I just, I think the team's going to be fine. I don't have any concerns. What if you don't have any offensive? I'd have some concerns offensively. I, I, I said at the start, I think we knew going into this year that they were going to score fewer goals than they did last year. Yeah. No, no, it's true, but they are the only team in the Pacific that hasn't hit 30 goals, but they've also played fewer games than everyone else. Yeah. By at least two. Yeah. It's just, you know, their, their offense is dried up. Maybe it's just because they're at home. You know, you could be right. So, but, uh, you know, there's another team that I think, yeah, we put on the disappointment list. Now, I know we had, uh, where do you come out on the Senators? Are they disappointment? Or do you think some people might have overhyped them? It's definitely a disappointment in their own eyes. So maybe that's the answer in and of itself. Regardless of whatever the outside noise was and the excitement, you know, they've also had a lot to deal with. Josh Norris being out basically that's for the season. Ball. Huge. Cam Talbot is finally working his way back. He's very close to starting. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's a lot to withstand. And Forsberg also went down for a period of time. I know it was only a short break, but that's a lot for a team to digest in the first month of the season, plus adjusting to the expectations. Yeah, well, hey, expectations for sure. My re- I thought Ottawa could be better, and they still could be better, but I just didn't like the makeup of their blue line to be a playoff team. 
they're going to have to cut down on goals against to your point. And that's, it's hard to that's a big hard. issue. It's hard to do. Like I seen lots of teams that have skilled young guys and to cut down on goals against seems to be the biggest challenge for a lot of those teams. Like it just, you know, because it's not just the defenseman. I don't want to just say it's the defenseman. You know, you, you look at, at forwards and they're not like, they're not terrible um, five on five, right? Cause they're, they're still they're They're actually, you know, they're still under two goals against per game, five on five. And, and usually if you do that, you know, you're competitive, but um, you know, the Josh Norris injury, I'm glad you brought it up, Frank. I, I think for people maybe who don't follow the senators, that's obviously uh that's a huge blow for that team. Massive blow, I think. And um, you know, we'll, we'll see where they go from here. What What's interesting really uh, about Ottawa is the uh, the Ryan Reynolds. Let's get to that quickly and the talk of potentially, you know, uh, interested in, in ownership. Uh, you know, I read uh, Bruce Garriock had the the initial article and then he followed up with uh, with uh, Reynolds and some other groups that were interested. Um, there, I'll say this about Re- if Ryan Reynolds became part owner of that team, he really gets a lot of non hockey fans interested in your game. He's doing it right now with soccer. Right. Let's be clear, though, like Ryan Reynolds doesn't have the coin to own the Ottawa Senators. Well, no, not as a He would be the face of a conglomerate or a group that would come in and buy it. Right. Oh, yeah. 100% agreed. Which, but it wouldn't be the worst face to be, you know, a part of your ownership group. You know what I'm saying? Not at all. It'd be great. It it would hopefully bring in mainstream, you know, not casual fans and and make them more interested. Yeah. I think hockey needs that. Right. The diehards, you've got the diehards. You need to want to keep growing your business and getting, and that's, that's an easy way to do it. Like Ryan Wren's a really funny guy, right? He, um, he, he's, he seemingly has like kind of like the boy next door persona. You just, a you know, gentleman, good family guy, chirps his friends, self-deprecating, witty, funny, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, relates to the average person despite being ridiculously good looking and, and a, you know, multi, multi, multi-millionaire guy. But he still kind of seems to be able to relate to the average person. Agreed. And I'd be all for it. Um, just interesting that, you know, obviously he bought Wrexham, the soccer team and, You've seen their stuff that he's done with Rob McElhaney, a Philly guy, by the way. Um, and maybe that sort of is the precursor. It's like, hey, this has been pretty awesome with soccer. Let's let's get into hockey. Yeah. So. Just a bit of a different price tag. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A uh, little, little bit more pressure there, too, I would think, for sure. So, But good pressure. Now, we talked about some of the, the bigger disappointments of, uh, of teams for sure. And, you know, and when you have disappointment teams, Frank, it's, it's not really surprising that, uh, you know, if we were looking at kind of disappointing players, you know, we mentioned it off the top, like if people looked at Sidney Crosby and said, ah, oh, 12 points, not bad. Right. It's uh, puts them tied, I think for like around 35th in the NHL. But when you start with 10 in the first five, and then you only pick up two in the last seven and your team hasn't won a game, like, you're, you win when your best players are good. There's very few teams whose best players, you know, across the board, four or five of them are playing great and they're losing. That just doesn't happen very often. And um, I look at the uh, the Penguins. It's like Toronto, I think, outside of John Tavares, that they need some of their top guys to, to put them where Toronto wants to be. They're, they're not off to an awful start by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, maybe a slower start, right? Um, is there any other players who stand out to you as uh, individually early season disappointments? Mm. Well, I, de- I mean, there's definitely, 
a handful. I mean, you'd have to, you don't have to look very far in your neck of the woods, Jack Campbell, uh, especially in the first few weeks of a five year, $5 million deal. Um, you have to go down the list. I mean, it's, I'm sure there's a number of guys that have been very quiet to this point. They are going, okay, when are we, you know, when are we going to see more? Does Roman Yossi fit in that category? Probably not yet. Seven points in 11 games. What do you make of Mark, Mark Andre Fleury in, in Minnesota? Collecting yeah, he's, he's de- definitely struggled to start and then seemed like he was turning the corner and then kind of, I don't know if you want to call it a blip again. Um, four goals against with Seattle. I would say the wild as a whole have been, you could put them in the disappointment category, but they've turned it around a bit. So I think the, you know, the verdict is out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, you know, the jury the, is out. I should say not the verdict. Yeah. The, uh, the injuries in, in Minnesota playing a little bit of a role there. I, I really think they miss Greenway a lot, right? He came, he's played basically two minutes. He's a beast. Season. Yeah. For, for they, they just, I think they miss his energy. They miss his size. I, I think they really miss him. Um, you know, Bill, uh, Bill Guerin's like, yeah, yeah, we miss guys, whatever. Like, I really kind of like Bill Guerin. He's a little bit of a throwback old school guy. Doesn't like to make excuses. Just says, Hey, here's a fax. You play without it. You play with guy without guys all the time. You got to figure it out. We got to be better. Jim Rutherford said the same thing. Excuses are for losers. <laughs> so now sure. let's look, Frank, to end it before we bring in Tyler Rimchuk. Some positive teams, and um, I think obviously I'm going to start. You know, I don't know we had uh, Fitzgerald on, but we'll still give some props to the uh, New Jersey Devils. I saw them live in person last night, and man, they're quick all over the ice. Um, I will say this though. I thought Vanisek, when he came in after Mackenzie Blackwood, who I saw leaving the rink, Frank, in a leg brace, so that doesn't look good. But um, Vanisek, he was amazing for the Dell. I think he won. I know that Edmonton gave up two goals in seven seconds, which can happen. But Vanisek kept that game close to allow them to be able to do that. I thought he was excellent in relief for the Devils last That night. team is bananas good five on five. And they're very, you mentioned quick. They're very efficient in their own end. We've talked about that. Go back and listen to the interview with with uh, Tom Fitzgerald last week and, and also about the interesting comments that he made about their culture change. Something like Miles Wood speaking up after the opening night of the season can actually be a positive instead of a negative. Uh, he said it, it set the bar. We're not going to tolerate mediocrity. We're not going to tolerate average play. I think you've seen that, and that's a team that, Really, if they can get it together, it could be good for quite a while. If they, 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 they need the goaltending. They can't, you know, I wonder how many chances Mackenzie Blackwood is going to get there, you know, given his status that he's, he seems to always be dealing with an injury. I, I think there's a trust factor issue, and I said that going back to last season, and they somehow kind of decided to bring him back to play in tandem with Vanacek. Well, I, I, under, I understood from Kevin Woodley. He he had this really odd injury that he played with Frank yes, last year. in his heel. Calci- the calcium yes. buildup. And did you know that they cut out the back of his skate? And then I did not know that specific it. detail, but... Yeah, like that's crazy. Think of it for people who don't know. So he had a big calcium buildup, and I've seen it on guys. You kind of just get that big lump on the back of your heel, and it builds up. And so what they ended up doing 
was they cut out the back of his skate and then they put a patch over it. So the bump was basically, when he'd put his skate on, the bump would stick out the back and they made the patch around it. It's like an extension. Kind of gross if you think about it. Oh, it totally is. Um, and what that, and then what happened was it really limited his ability to get down into a proper goalie stance, right? It was almost like he was playing straight legged. And now, again, I talked about it earlier. There, to me, there's a prime case. Why are you allowing this guy to play? Sure, he can play, but he can't play well, right? Like, there, I think there's a time where you have to say, is this limiting his ability to help our team? If it is, let's get it fixed rather than try to play through it and, quote, gut it out. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the potentialities are, what the long-term ramifications are to having something like that removed, what the timeline is. So hard to comment, but I would just say this, like the frequency of injuries is contributing to his demise. Yeah. Fair to say. And, you know, we're talking about teams that are off to good starts. Like, does any team get less fanfare than the Carolina Hurricanes? Like they're just good and they're consistent and they don't really have any blips on the radar. Like they don't have any issues. Rod Brindamore, we talked about how ridiculously well their regular season went last year, 750 win percentage or points percentage. That's exactly where they are today. Well, for how many teams can go seven, two and one and have their starting goalie with an 894 save percentage? Like that's how good care. That's how good they are. Like Freddie Anderson's, I know save percentage is only one thing, but you know what? Like it's still, it's still one where you're under 900. I'm, no one's going to say the goalie's playing great when you're under 900. Yeah, I stand on his head. They're just brutal. Cause you know what? Like that to me illustrates the depth of the Carolina Hurricanes. They're just like, ah, you know, Freddie's having a little bit of a slow start here. No big deal. We'll just outscore our problems for now until we find it. Right. Brent Burns and, gets and five. If points. he's anywhere close to as good as he was last year and rebounds into form, that team might not lose for two weeks at a time. Yeah. Oh, no, they're good. And Brent Burns, I talked about it, Frank. I thought Brent Burns would be one of the best offseason acquisitions, and that's what he's doing, right? And it's funny how Brent Burns has played great in Carolina, and in his absence in San Jose, the Sharks aren't very good, but Eric Carlson is just set the NHL record for uh, quickest, uh, uh, well, modern-day record, uh, 10 goals to start the season. Like, I know it's 13 games, Frank. I'll say this. I don't think the Sharks, if Carlson plays like this, I don't think they'd have to retain half. They might only have to retain two, two and a half million. Yeah. It's, on a it, deal. I think it might have to be more than that, but um, it's funny watching, you know, Burns go and then Carlson have this success. And I think his season last year, Carlson was actually pretty underrated when you look at some of the underlying numbers. Yeah, no, he was good. But you ever like, you ever have a couple, you know, two friends of yours, that the husband and wife both talk a ton and you're ever like, how does it work in their house? Like, is there ever any air? Does anyone ever shut up? And I, I think of that with like Burns and Carlson being on the same blue line. Like, is there enough room? Like who, who, who gets the puck? How, how do you, how do you make ice time work? Like all those things. Cause both those guys love having the puck and both of them love to play huge minutes. Yeah. And so I wonder if there was maybe just a stylistic mismatch there where you would think that those two guys might feed off of each other, that maybe they sort of brought each other down, if that makes any sense. I do think Carlson's injuries at times played a factor in San Jose. Well, he was never, he's never been able to move the same. Yeah. 
It looks good though. Like he's fully healthy this year and, and he looks fantastic. And he, the thing about Carlson and, you know, you talk to guys who played with him when he is on his game, he's so confident. And that's what, like, you just see the plays he's trying right now. Like he's the only reason really to watch the sharks. Like he's highly entertaining uh, to watch. And then, you know, they're, they're having a tough time right now. There's no question, but um, yeah, Carlson's great. Uh, the buff, you mentioned Carolina, what like the Buffalo Sabres, I know it's 10 games, but the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, we've talked a lot about Buffalo. Hey, the Tage, Tage Thompson, he woke up as I expected. He's been really good. Like, man, Owen Power and Rasmus Dahlin, they're going to be good for a long time in yeah. Buffalo with those two. Yeah, you can see it start to come together. I mean, yeah. so Buffalo's been really good. I think Seattle has also been a very surprising team in the sense that I don't know that they're going to continue to play all season long at a 6-4-2 and two pace. But they just, they needed to be competitive, right? Yes. And they are. And I think it speaks to the improvements that they made over the summer. Bjorkstrand, Burakovsky, Beneers, the three Bs, you know, adding Beneers in on a full-time basis. He's picked up right where he left off in his 10-game stint last year to end the season. It's hard to do at the NHL level. And so he's a really talented piece. And who knows what happens with Shane, Wright? It's still, still think that he needs to go to Kingston. Oh, um, we'll see, but they're in a spot where if Wright turns out to be any sort of dynamic piece to add to your team, you know, if you can go veneers right down the middle, you can start, you know, just like you can see it coming together in Buffalo on their blue line. You can start to see it come together in Seattle. Well, and the other thing is, you know, Bjorkstrand, he's got six assists, but he's only got one goal through 12 games. I think eventually he's going to start scoring, so that's going to help them uh, even more. And I think Shane Wright, he did he did play more in his last game. I think Shane Wright's going to going to have the, the Alex Petrangelo treatment, right? Remember Alex Petrangelo with uh, the St. Louis Blues? Two years, actually, his first two years. He stayed there for basically, you know, a month and a half the first time, and then two months the second year. Never played more than nine games. Practiced with the team. You know, got an NHL paycheck for two months, and then he went to the World Juniors. I won't be surprised at all if Seattle has Shane Wright around the team. You know what? He's he's. I, some would say, well, he needs to play games. I get it, but he, you know what? He'll like the paycheck. He'll be around the team. He'll practice with the NHL team. He'll get into the odd game, and then I think he's going to go back to World Juniors. That's. Uh, to me, I think it's mapped out. It's pretty obvious to see. It's just a matter of, you know, does he stay right till the end of November? Do they let him go home early? That's, to me, the only question. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I just, I still think he needs to play. Like, this is not a guy that utterly dominated the OHL. He just well, didn't. I agree. And that's, that's if, you know, if, if this was a 140-point player last season and you're saying that there's, there's truly nothing left for him to do, I would agree with you. I just... Don't think he was there because if he was, he probably would have went number one. Yeah, that no, that's totally fair. I, I think that's valid. And um, and and I, I want your coach is giving you the answer. Yeah, Dave well, Axtell, as uncomfortable as it is for Ron Francis and Shane Wright, who wanted him to be there all year, your coach is telling you he's not ready. Yeah, and you know what, Frank? I love that you said that because you and I'm very different players, very different positions. But Edmonton kept Yessa Pugliarvi around as the number four overall pick, Frank. Now, he didn't play eight minutes a night, but he didn't play a ton. He wasn't NHL ready, right? He scored one goal in his first game, and then he didn't have any goals for the next 30-some. And they, and they, now, he was able to go to the American League because he was a European player, 
right? But then even the next year, up and down like a yo-yo. When, when the coach, even if the GM doesn't want to agree, your coach is the one who makes the decisions on ice time. At least it should be in a healthy coaching uh, GM relationship. And even if you don't have to agree sometimes, a GM, I think, has got to be like, okay, you know what? Hey, right now the coach doesn't think he's ready. Well, let's put him where he's the best place to possibly play. And, you know, Shane Wright, you, you, you could wait two extra weeks at this point and keep him in Seattle. I don't know if that benefits him, right? He's got his month-long paycheck. That's going to be fantastic for him. You know, like, that's great. He's, he had his bonuses too. And, you know, he'll get his second bonus like most guys here in, in, in January. So financially, he's fine. But he needs to play and gain some confidence. So if I was Seattle, I wouldn't wait much longer, right? I... At least Petrangelo, I looked at his minutes. Like, he was playing minimum 14 a night and sometimes 17. I know he's a defenseman, but, you know, playing eight minutes a night once every week isn't ideal. No, it cannot cannot last. No, but Seattle's a big surprise. Like, they're they're off to a very positive start, and, and Seattle fans should, should be pretty happy. Um, you know, Vegas has bounced back, and they've been very good. And then, you know. Got to give them some love. Them and Boston. Like, what about the Bruins, dude? They're 10 and 1. No, I mean, the Bruins are just really good. Like, yeah. And, I, and Vegas is too. Like Vegas, the surprising part for Vegas has been the goals against. It's not the offense. Like I thought that they'd score more. I thought that they'd find a way to bounce back after struggling to do that last year. And health is a big part of it. But under two goals a game is rather impressive. Yeah, no, they've been good. And the Boston Bruins, hey, Hampus Lindholm is loving life in Boston right now. Whew, he is playing great. Mm-hmm. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, Tyler, your check joins us. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ty, welcome to the pod. How you doing, my man? I am uh, I'm doing good. Stayed up last night watching Frank's Phillies. That was heartbreaking. I've been, uh, just to feel the emotions of playoff baseball, I've been betting along with Frank on uh, on a few of these games. So last night was a disappointing one for me. 
That was uh, that hurts the old wallet and the emotions. Yeah, yeah, the old double whammy, as they call it. Uh, let's get into buy or sell. Brought to you by our friends at DoorDash, where you can use the promo code GameDay25 to get you 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app. You guys started this pod talking about uh, all the disappointing teams around the NHL, so I'll try to keep this one a little positive off the jump. Are you buying or selling the New Jersey Devils as a playoff team this year, Frank? Buying. I think they're a lock to make the playoffs this year. A lock. All right, Jay. Um, I can't say they're a lock, but they are, you know, they're trending in all the right directions, but will go like Vanisak, the way he, if Vanisak plays like he played in relief last night, there's no question that they're, they're a playoff team. Will they get the consistent goaltending for the rest of the year? And, you know, cause now he's probably going to have to be the guy with, with Blackwood who looked like he was injured. Fair enough. Uh, the second one I got for you, the Seattle Kraken, they've been a big surprise. I'm not going to go as far as to say, you know, they will be a playoff team, but do you think they can hit the 82 point mark? Can they get to that sort of 500 points percentage kind of area, Frank, buy or sell? Probably selling. I would take the under, but I, they're going to be close. All right. I think they're going to be in the mid seventies. Mid seventies. Because you got to remember, at some point, it, you know, even as the Kraken are, are more competitive, at some point they need to stay true to their overall mission, which is we really want to be good in three or five years, like competitive contending. And that's going to involve trading away pieces. Like, I'd imagine Carsey, Carson Susie will be a well-sought-after defenseman at, at the deadline as a pending UFA. So you're probably going to see pieces plucked off of that team at, at a varying point, whether it's March 3rd or before that probably take a few points off that total. I am going to buy, they're going to get to, uh, to 80 points. All right. Yeah. Susie's an interesting one, but outside of that, like how many other pieces do they have that will really have value at the deadline? Like maybe in, Eberly type is he a pending UFA no he's not even a pending UFA yet so like they don't have many other pending UFAs nope um I don't know I I think Carson Soucy would be like a fantastic fit on someone like the Oilers they already have the jersey made I don't know if you saw that Frank but at their locker room sale at the beginning of the year they accidentally put out some jerseys of guys that they wanted at the deadline last year so fans were posting pictures of like game or not game used but like Game quality, Susie, Middleton, Stahl, and someone else. They were selling them. Wow, that's weird. It Did anyone weird. buy the Oilers legend Derek Broussard jersey or no? No, I, I would imagine that one sat on the rack. But I actually think someone did. They were posting they bought the Susie jersey. And they're like, I got one now. They better go get him. Well, it's a local guy, right? It's probably some of his buddies for yeah. sure. Plan ahead. Yeah. But he's got everything that the Oilers would need. A low cap hit, especially if you can retain... Left shot. And he's got the size, and he skates, he defends well. Like, yeah. I don't know. Keep an eye on it. Uh, an individual player that's off to a great start is Tage Thompson. Can Tage Thompson finish the year a point-a-game player? You buying or selling on that, Jay? Oh, buddy, I'm buying all the way. I'm on Tage Thompson. I should get the fan club started. I, I'm a huge fan of Thompson. I thought, you know, he really stepped up uh, last season. You know, obviously the six-point game is going to boost up your – your totals, no question. But we saw it last year. He he took a big step. And, you know, he doesn't have to score 38 goals again. 
to to be a point of game guy. You know, you maybe they've got better pieces around him now. He can be a little bit more of a distributor. I, I think that uh, Tage Thompson, a point of game pace. I think he maintains a point of game pace. I have no idea if he plays all eighty two, so that's why I will say that rather than eighty two points. Frank, I am gonna sell. Can he get there? Yes. Will he get there? No. He's got nine points in a, in two games. That's a huge chunk of the fourteen. It's also it's a huge up. chunk of that's a huge chunk of the eighty two he'll need. It is. Yeah. It's more than ten percent. I can do the math. I just how many times is that going to happen? Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, one team that is really banged up right By now. By the way, oh. hold on. Some guy uh, on social media I saw it. He he keeps dogging us, saying that we absolutely hate the Sabers and. Can't believe we're so negative. We we were just giving them props, uh, and we've talked Sabers a bunch. But I'm not a Tage Thompson hater by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just not. I'm not entirely there yet. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, Thompson had a slow start, like some guys do. He's, he's like the big diesel, right? It sits out, it's being outside in the winter. Ooh, ooh, it just took him a while to get going, and now he is just chugging along, baby. I'm telling you, Tage Thompson. I might have to get a Tage Thompson jersey. Seriously, Can you do that sound that. effect again? Because that's going to be our next thing. Tyler is, he is getting a button for that so that we, ooh. When someone so, gets going. You know what I'm talking about. Hey. Let's move along here. Uh, Washington Capitals. <clears throat> Washington Capitals, they're banged up up front. They're missing a ton of key forwards. I'm going to go ahead and say they're the first team to make a big splash on the trade market, and they will acquire a top six or top nine forward by the end of the month. Frank? With what assets? I I, yeah. I don't know. I'm not nah. a GM. I'm I'm obviously that's kind of what I keep coming back to for a lot of these teams. It's like, hey, look, can they do something? Can they make something happen? Who are they trading? No. They got their second round pick. Yeah. I mean they have their first round pick. I mean, yeah. just they do have a lot of pending unrestricted free agents. And that that's the interesting thing about the caps is they're sort of other than Ovi, who signed major long-term, and obviously John Carlson is as well. Oshi has some term. You could see a vastly different Caps team coming, you know, moving forward. Eller, Hathaway, Sherry, MJ90, Orloff, Jensen, Van Riemsdyk, Eric Gustafson, Matter, like five of their seven current defensemen on the roster are pending UFAs. You can see massive turnover with that team. I just, am I buying that it'll be within the next month? No, I'm not. Well, I, I think that, like, Washington, injuries can just crush a team. I think Washington, sadly, right now is trending in the direction of Vegas last year. It's kind of out of their control because you can only withstand so many injuries, right? Yeah. You can only withstand so many injuries. And eventually, you know, like, we're talking Wilson, Oshie, Carlson. If you looked at the start, and Backstrom, if you looked at the start of their season and listed off, Maybe there's they're seven most important players. Those four would be in it. And now they don't have, like, now they knew Backstrom wasn't going to be there, so that's a little bit different. But still, right? Like, you can't just go out and replace Backstrom in the offseason. So now you're gone. Four of your, arguably, your top seven players. The, the longer that goes, the harder it is to win. I don't care who you are. You're just, you don't, most teams don't have that much depth overcoming. Yeah, I think that's bang on. All right, moving along to our Points Bet Canada bonus question of the episode. Remember a couple weeks ago, I quizzed you guys on who you thought was the most profitable team in the NHL through two weeks from a money line betting perspective. Today, I want to ask you guys, 
Who do you think right now is the least profitable betting team in the NHL, Jay? I think I know the answer. Uh, I'm going to go... Um, it's got to be a good team. Toronto. You're going Toronto. Toronto. So, oh, all right. I was going to go Carolina. But... Canes no, have been winning, well, though, right? Pardon? So they're they're going to cash for you. Yeah, the Canes. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess. Yeah, you got to pick a, a good team that's that's good team that's under, underperforming. You know. Well, St. Louis. St. Louis Blues. If you bet a hundred bucks on the Blues every game, you'd be down three hundred and fifty bucks. If you bet a hundred bucks on the Leafs, you'd be down three hundred and sixty-four dollars. Neither of them are the least profitable. That number, or that honor, I suppose, belongs to the Pittsburgh Penguins. If you bet a hundred dollars on every peng- on the Penguins every game, you would be down five hundred and two dollars. The most profitable team has obviously been the Boston Bruins. They are lights out. You'd be up six hundred and eighty-six bucks if you bet on the Bruins to win on the money line every single game. So there you go, Penguins disappointment. Now, and- where, where's Carolina in that? You'd be up a hundred think- bucks. So considering how good they're doing, Jay, that was actually. like, a decent guess because of the teams yeah. that are above 500, they're one of the least profitable. Yeah, because you expect them to win, so you're not getting better odds. Like, yeah. they're just, oh, that's expected. Oh, Carolina won. Like, you, New Jersey's probably been pretty profitable. Yeah, Jersey's been good up $403, so still 283 less than the Boston Bruins, but pretty solid there. And Buffalo's probably been really profitable too. Yeah, they're also, they're the only other team who you'd be up six units on them in Boston. That's it. Nice. Oof. There you go. That's a wrap on this week's edition of Buy or Sell, delivered by DoorDash, with a special shout-out to our friends at PointsBet Canada. Man, the Bruins are just amazed just, by their start. I'm just glad we have a new sound effect to play. This is this made yeah. for the all disappointing, all depressing the worst description ever. This is the most emo pod ever. All disappointing team. I want to go upstairs and stab my eyeballs out after this. Yeah. Now, hey, before we go, Frank, um, you're telling me off air. And I'm, so I'm curious of our listeners, please get reach out to Frank on Twitter and myself on Twitter at Frank Saravalli at Jason Greger is so Frank feeds his dog. By the way, Frank, when he got a dog was, yeah, I really like this dog. And now Frank, is, he makes his dog an omelet every morning. Like you become just so, like that dog is running your show right now. I love it. Um, like, how long and like does the dog get up and just sit in his little like dog um bed waiting for you to make the omelet now like is he the king of the saravali house or first off it's a she okay um biscuit is her name and i think that's a proper hockey dog name biscuit Uh, mabel's our dog we got a new puppy mabel and uh sounds like a very old lady puppy oh she's awesome so, uh, Biscuit likes to eat. So any time anyone has any food, she literally comes running when she hears the refrigerator open or the pantry open. Like either one of those sounds, doesn't matter what she, she can be sleeping two floors up and she will run down and, and find out what you're eating. Anyway. So yes, I got into this thing where I cook my dog a two egg omelet in the morning and, uh, it's very simple. No, uh, no frills, but I, I cook my dog an omelet. And Jay, do you seem to be, you seem to make fun of that. Well, I just, yeah. I've never had a pet before. Okay. This, whoa, this is your first dog. This is my first ever pet at any point in my life. (laughs) I I maybe had like a goldfish. Okay. That got flushed 
very quickly. <laughs> See, I have dogs, but to me, we're big on, we get dog treats, no human food for our dog. Plus I never want her begging. Like when we sit at the table, I didn't want her just sitting beside me staring, like feed me, you son of a, right? Yeah. Because she, she doesn't do that. She'll lay, she'll, she'll just lay on the ground, but okay. at your feet while you're eating. But she's, is she giving you the puppy dog eyes? No, like, no, no. She's uh, not like begging. No. So because you give her her breakfast, she knows that's her, her human food for the day. I don't think she knows the difference, whether it's human food or dog. Oh, food. trust me. She'll know the difference. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'm new at this and I did not want a dog. I resisted every conversation we've ever had uh, in my house about it. Cause I just, I don't want the responsibility. I don't have the time. And you love the dog. Does the dog sleep in your bed? See, that's the thing. I had one rule. It was the dog cannot sleep in the bed okay. and that we don't follow any rules in our house. So now so the dog's sleeping in your bed. The dog sleeps in my bed. God, she's running your show. I love it. That's our dog. But she's wanted- really, really good. That's why I like the dog. She's really good. She doesn't bark. She's a a gold. It's a mix between a golden doodle and a English cream. Okay. Well, post a picture. I don't know how dog. Like, how big is she? Like fifteen pounds. Okay, and she's full grown. No, she's only six months old. Oh well, basically same age as the old Maidmeister. Yeah, uh, so a little bit bigger. So it's um, it's been an adventure, but she is like fully like house trained in terms of going to the back. Like, honestly, we don't even put her on a leash I don't have a fence. I just open up my back door. She runs out and then runs back in after she pees or poops. And that's it. Oof. It's kind of amazing actually. So she doesn't bark. She kind of lays around. She's a little lazy. She likes going on walks, but it doesn't have to is not overly hyper is good with my kids. Doesn't bite or nip. Like it's, it's been a home run. So I don't really have any complaints oh, and I, I definitely like, like having a dog way more than I thought. Yeah. Well, exactly. Well, they're super loyal too. Like she, every time she sees you, Frank, it's like the greatest day of her life. Like you can go outside and shovel, be out there 50 minutes and come back. And it's like you were gone for a month. Yep. Yeah. Dogs have exactly. no sense of time. That's one thing I've learned. Yeah. They're great for that. So um, see, maybe does your dog um, like have a hyper stage of the day for 50? Like, does she get the zoomies as they call no. them? Oh, see, Mabel gets the zoomies usually around seven o'clock at night. You got to take her for a walk. And uh, like, I'll go jogging with her, which is funny because usually I see people jogging. They got big dogs. Well, I have a little King Cavalera um, Spaniel, right? King Charles Cavalera Spaniel. And she's on the path and she just gives it. She wouldn't go jogging for 2K. And then she comes and she's just spent. But that seven o'clock hour, you've got to take her for a walk at night because that's when she just... It's like she got uh, drank a Red Bull and is just on tilt. I don't want to alarm you, but the last time I went for a jog was like circa 2013. Yeah, well, so, by the way, I don't like jogging. I only jog with her. And it's kind of like we'll jog for 700 meters and then I'll walk for a bit and then she'll want to jog again. So I do that. But I'm not, I hate jogging if I'm being honest. I, I work out and I ride the bike and everything, but I've never been a big jogger. Like, yeah. I, just, I get bored too quickly by it. It's for the birds. Yeah. So it is a good little bit of a way to get a good sweat on though. I will say that. So, well, Frank, uh, enjoy. We'll let you go make the omelet and uh, we will talk to you on Monday. Thanks for listening to the DFO rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode delivered by DoorDash. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.